My brothers and sisters, the Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Jesus said to the chief priests and the elders of the people, Hear another parable. There was a landowner who planted a vineyard, put a hedge around it, dug a wine press in it, and built a tower. Then he leased it to tenants and went on a journey. When vintage time drew near, he sent his servants to the tenants to obtain his produce. But the tenants seized the servants, and one they beat, another they killed, and a third they stoned. Again, he sent other servants, more numerous than the first ones, but they treated them in the same way. Finally, he sent his son to them, thinking, they will respect my son. But when the tenants saw the son, they said to one another, this is the heir. Come, let us kill him and acquire his inheritance. They seized him threw him out of the vineyard, and killed him. What will the owner of the vineyard do to those tenants when he comes? They answered him, He will put those wretched men to a wretched death and lease his vineyard to the other tenants who will give him the produce at the proper time. Jesus said to them, did you never read in the scriptures, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. By the Lord has this been done, and it is wonderful in our eyes. Therefore, I, I say to you, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people that will produce its fruit. The gospel of the Lord. Thursday, with it being October 1st, someone had posted online, good news, 2020 is three quarters over. And that was quickly followed by messages ranging from, it's only three quarters over? It feels like we should be a lot further along than that. Don't know if we're going to make it through another quarter. And then my favorite, where do we forfeit the rest of this year so we can just get to 2021? Undoubtedly, by any measure, this has been a historically challenging year on seemingly 
every level, whether it's the viral pandemic and all the things resulting from that, civil strife, and seemingly growing polarizing division that we see, we experience, whether virtually or in person, horrific weather events from wildfires to hurricanes. And then that's not even taken into account the, the challenges and the struggles and the, the setbacks and difficulties that so many people are dealing with on a local level, in their own homes and their own families. It's understandable that there's been this widespread weariness, this frustration, this even depression. With all of those and probably a list of other challenges that escapes the mind right now, it can be hard not to have a, a somewhat dismissive reaction to St. Paul's words in that second reading to the Philippians today. He says, have no anxiety at all. Imagine posting that online. You can already hear the responses. Easy for you to say, Paul. For real? Some might even relegate those words simply to a historical context and imagine that they were intended just for that particular Christian community of Philippi some 2,000 years ago. And while that's true, that Paul was writing to that community for particular reasons, the beauty of Catholic liturgy is that we believe St. Paul was inspired by God to do that. That the Holy Spirit guided Paul's mind and his heart and his hand to compose those words and that this divine message was not limited to just the people of Philippi who were suffering persecution because of their, their commitment to Christ. By God's providence, we're hearing Paul address those words to us here in West Orange, in the state of New Jersey, in the United States, in October of 2020. So take a second and just think of whatever it is that's causing you anxiety right now. What's the list of worries and concerns or doubts and fears that you're experiencing? Short-term or long-term, things for yourself or for your loved ones, for your neighborhood, our community, our nation, or our world. Paul says, God says, have no anxiety at all. That's not being dismissive of legitimate anxieties. That's not saying deny whatever realities are causing you distress. That's not saying fake it till you make it. Have no anxiety at all, because Paul reminds us we have a God who loves us, who is waiting for us to acknowledge his presence, who is longing for us to recognize his history of goodness, and for us to cast our prayers, to make our requests known to him. The problem I think so many of us face is that those fears, those anxieties, those worries, we can let them run rent-free in our minds and our hearts and cause even greater stress and greater worry. It reminds me of the story that I heard some years ago. Uh, a man was traveling across the country by sneaking from one freight train into the next. And one night he climbed into what he thought was a boxcar. He closed the door, which automatically locked shut and trapped him inside. 
And when his eyes adjusted to the light, he realized he was inside a refrigerated boxcar. He became aware of the, the cold. He called for help. He started pounding on the door, but all the noise from inside the car failed to attract anyone's attention. After many hours of struggle, he started to lay down on the floor and he just started writing on the floor of the car. It's so cold. I can feel my body going numb. I'm dying. I know this is my end. To the last message, tell my family I love them. Late the next day, repairmen from the railroad opened the door and they found the dead man inside. Though the man had the appearance of having frozen to death, the truth was the repairman had come to fix the broken refrigerator unit in the car. Most likely, the temperature of the railroad car had never fallen below 50 degrees that night. The man died because he thought he was freezing to death. So again, we've got a quarter of 2020 to go. Three quarters of the year has passed. What are we focusing on? Where is our hearts and our minds, more importantly, our souls fixated on? Getting back to St. Paul, he followed that charge to have no anxiety at all with that call to prayer for our turning to God. And he also added something else of really critical importance. He says, whatever is true, Whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is gracious, if there's any excellence and if there's anything worthy of praise, think about those things. That's not just a a litany of things that we should aspire to or ideals that we should hope for or strive to achieve. He tells us to think about those things. Are we doing that? For most of us, I think we feel like we've climbed into that refrigerator car. I know that if I watch more than 10 minutes of news or enter into debates online or allow the media in any way to dominate my environment, that becomes almost impossible to to get out of that car. The manipulation from so many sources for a widespread number of reasons and agendas are not thinking about what's true or honorable or just or pure or lovely. It's all outrage. So we have to even be more vigilant than ever and focus on the signs of God's goodness and his presence and how he has shown up and shown out. A few months ago, I had added journaling to my prayer life. That was never something I really had committed to or ever did at a great extent before my own holy hour, my daily prayer. And this tool that I'm using has these daily pages, and one section at the very start of the day is listed simply as gratitude. And it invites you to name three things that you're thankful to God at, you know, at the beginning of each day. So I had started this during the viral pandemic with the shutdowns, with so many unknowns, there's an avalanche of negative news that's tweeting and flashing on our phones. All things that definitely have been discouraging and frightening and infuriating to me. And here I am, the one of the first things I have to do is start my day, start my prayer by naming three things I want to thank God for. And being stubborn, 
I decided I was going to be stubborn with myself. I'm like, I'm not going to move along and do anything else in my prayer until I could do this. And some mornings, I have more than three. I can rattle off a, a list of different unexpected blessings or things that put me in a, a stellar mood weeks earlier that I could still feel joy radiating from whatever it was that I'm still thankful for. And then there were, well, I should say there are mornings, not so much. I probably thanked God for my hot coffee more than a few times. But the beautiful thing is that when I have to sit there and really think or dig deeper, sometimes I realize that maybe it's my pride or my selfishness that's obstructing my vision. Maybe I've taken some things for granted. Or maybe I've just lost a sense of awe for a miracle. Whatever, the point isn't to now add some more Italian Catholic guilt to anxiety. It's about turning my gaze away from those things of this world, all the sources of anxiety, and turning towards our Father, remembering He who loved me into existence, who sustains me, and longs for me to long for Him. When we think and remember and emphasize on things like this, that are true, honorable, just, pure, lovely, gracious, then Jesus' message in today's gospel comes to life. Because on the surface, the parable doesn't make a lot of sense. The story is an allegory showing how God has given his people dominion over creation. And so often, Many misuse and take advantage, even destroy it, ignoring calls to conversion and repentance. That even when God sends his son, Jesus will suffer that same horrific treatment. But despite that human impulse, which would demand justice or look for retribution for such treatment, Jesus shocks his listeners. No, God won't simply obliterate those individuals who subject Jesus to a wretched death, but rather his death would unleash God's love and his mercy and forgiveness in a way that no one had ever anticipated. That all makes St. Paul's point even more dramatically. No, we can't ever forget Good Friday happened, but focusing on Easter Sunday changes our perspective. So as we go forth from this place where we've come to hear and to receive Jesus, both in his word and in his body and blood in the Eucharist, we're challenged to do the same thing with whatever amount of time and days and weeks that we're blessed to have and what remains of 2020. Yes, recognizing all the things that challenge our sense of security and safety, that can even point to a world that at times seems to be spiraling out of control. But then to keep coming back into remembering Paul's words, to have no anxiety at all. Jesus is ultimately in charge. And when we think about that and remember all the things that are true and honorable and just and pure and lovely and gracious, then our, our hope is renewed as we recognize the truth that St. Paul concludes with, the God of peace is with us.